0: and our minds to your word, taking away our sins for Jesus' sake. Amen. Turning back to the the chapter that we, we read, the prophet is calling, although we don't know much about thirst in our own land, there are many places in the world that are struggling to get water and that, but the prophet isn't talking about physical water he's talking about soul thirst you who are thirsteth come to the waters he that has no money come and buy ye eat come without money and without price you who are thirsty and you who are thirsty and you who are skinned you're and you're penniless you, you can't you can't do anything and and this was written by by Isaiah the prophet, 740 years before ever Christ ever came, before Christ cried out in John 7, in 37 and 38, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink, he that believeth on me. As the Scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living waters. In chapter 53 in Isaiah, we have the propitiation where Jesus was sacrificed for our sins, where, where he paid the price. But here in fifty-five, in, in fifty-five, we have the pardon, we have the purity, and we're called to come to the poor man's market, where you might buy without money and without price. And and the only call is the call is, is the the only cost is to the seller, to the one who was calling them to come. He was the one who had paid everything. It was a universal call. That call was to all. And we we can all include ourselves in that call. Each and every one of us. We we are the everyone. We are the ones who are thirsty. We are the ones who are hungry. And it's to us that the Lord is calling this morning. It's to everyone was the cry. Those who thirst to those who are unsatisfied and feel the need. Is that not you this morning? You are thirsty, you are unsatisfied. The world is not meeting your need. If any man, he says, any, it is to the world come. It's not to the Jew, but it's to the Gentile as well. And that would have been a shock for the Jews in in Isaiah's day, that, that Isaiah was opening out that to the gospel. But, but God was even broader. He, he, and, and another place he says, look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, and be ye saved. He's calling out to all people to come to me. He's calling out to the thirsty. He's calling out to the blind. He's calling out to the poor. He's calling out unto the, maim- the maim. He's saying, get out into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. There is still room, he says. There is still room. Do you feel a deep need inside you, even this morning, that has not been met, and you feel it? Come to the one who is able to meet that need. And you know the promises from Jesus himself. Those who come to me, he says, I will never cast out. It doesn't matter what you've done or what the problem is or how you feel if you come to him, he's never going to turn you away. The only qualification for for entry into this is if you are thirsty. That's the only qualification. He doesn't mention your righteousness or your holiness or anything else. It it doesn't even say, do you thirst for God? It just says if you're thirsty and the call is to all. And, And perhaps... You feel like that today. Perhaps you have a thirst and you don't even know it. It's almost like, like the farmer's the seed that's in the ground. And it's there lying dormant. And nothing happens. Until the sun shines, the sun comes out and starts to warm that seed. And that seed starts to grow. Well, that's the way that it is for the soul that is thirsty as well until the day that it comes under the sound of the gospel... and it hears the gospel. And when you come under it, you want more. That's how I felt when I first heard the gospel. I had no interest in Christ. I had no interest in the Bible. I had no interest in the gospel or being found in church. I never seen a day when I was in Sunday school. But when I heard the gospel, when I heard people speaking about Jesus my ears pricked up and I was listening, I couldn't deny it and when I came, started coming out of the church the more I came out the more I wanted, the more I heard the more I wanted to hear because I, I knew it was something that was outside me and I wanted it that's the way it is for the gospel, it gets a hold of you and that hold it won't let you go None of us are completely satisfied in this world. There is always a want in us and and there's always a desire. Nobody is, is totally happy or totally contented with what they have. We're always looking for this. We're always wanting more. We want to improve something. We want to correct it. Or if we're fed up in this day and age, we want to get rid of it and get short of it. All want more. I think we heard from you a couple of weeks ago when Rockefeller was once asked how much much money more does it take to, to make you happy. And Rockefeller had stacks. He was the richest in America. And he said, just a little bit more. And for you and I, if we're asked how much more do we want, just a little bit more. It doesn't matter how much we have. We want a wee bit more. That's what will make us happy. And look look at the day that that we're living in here. There we're going to doctors and and to consultants and everything for plastic surgery, for this, for that, and a tuck here and up there, whatever it is. Anything to improve our looks. We're going for creams to make us look younger, anti-aging and all this. And what we're looking for is the elixir of youth. Anything to keep us young looking. We're looking for for the short term fix. That's what it's all about. We're looking for things that will fix us quickly to improve anything. Anything to keep us young. What about what God's looking for us this morning? What about the inward beauty? What about the purity of the heart? When Jesus is looking into your heart this morning, I I can't see into your heart. You can't see into, into the person sitting beside you's heart. But God can. What's he seeing in your heart this morning? Is he seeing a desire for Jesus? Is he seeing a thirst for Jesus? Is he seeing a longing for Jesus? is he seeing that wanting us to be more like Jesus each and every day. That's what God is looking for. He's looking for a pure heart. He's looking for a pure heart. A heart in the image of his own. You know you know so many of us try to quench that spiritual thirst. At the human fountain, the fountain of the world, instead of going to Jesus, is that not the way so often that you and I do it? Instead of going to Jesus with our problems and our worries and our cares, we are going to something in the world, hoping that it will fix it. And Jesus is crying out, to any man thirst? Let him come to me and drink. The first is a word to those, as Hugh used to say, are at wood's end corner, and they're skinned, and they're broke. But the second word is to those who have money, and they're able, they have resources, and they're able to buy and get various things to satisfy the need and the thirst inside. But I tell you, they never meet the need. Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread? So many try, try to quench the thirst of the soul with, with many things. And you know, materialism is the god of the Western world. We want more and more. And it's not just today keeping up with the Joneses. We're trying to outdo the Joneses and get better than them. If somebody gets a new car, we want a better car, a bigger house, more of this, more of that, a new suite, a new carpet, wooden flooring, whatever it, whatever the in thing is, we want it. And, and others try to meet the need with sensuality. Indulging in, in, in every single thing, in eating, in drinking, indulging to excess and every carnal attitude, uh, every carnal appetite. So many people are caught up in these things because they have a need. You know, we're so critical of those so often that are caught up in addictions and, and things like that. But deep inside them, there is a need that needs to be met. And you know, perhaps we're we're like the Jews of old, who turned from the religion and went into business. And these Jews, they were excellent at it. They're really good businessmen, even to this day. And they try to quench the soul with work. And there's many of us doing that. We tried to quench the soul with doing this, doing that, and doing the next thing. And you know, that's the way that the rich farmer was in his own day. He, he had plenty. He was looking round about him, and, and he was wondering what to do. And he thought within himself, oh, I'll, I'll knock down all these barns, and I'll build bigger ones, and I'll build greater ones. And he tra- he tries to, 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 to silence The tenant inside him. He tried to pacify him. The tenant, his soul. Take thine ease, he says. Eat, drink, and be merry. Take it easy. Soul, there was much goods laid up for him, much in store. But the soul wasn't satisfied. The soul had a need. And you know, when you read the story, you read that that the one who gave him that soul spoke into the situation and he says, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. He had played the fool with his soul. He thought he could satisfy it with all the trappings of this world. But the soul was having none of it. And in many ways that's the way it was with Felix when Paul reasoned with him about righteousness, temperance and judgment to come. He he listened to Paul and he said he heard him and he said at a more convenient season I will hear thee. And friends I look through the scriptures from beginning to end And I can't find one place where it says that Felix ever came to God, that he ever found that convenient season. Because today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. This is the accepted hour. If you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. How is your heart this morning? Is it soft toward Jesus? Or is it a is seed falling on, on the rocky ground? And you know, Herod was much, much of the same old. He heard John the Baptist gladly. We read that as John spoke to him. And, and, and John told him what was wrong in his life, all the different things that were going on. And he heard him gladly and he listened. But what did he do? He did nothing. But then when Salome's daughter was dancing in front of him, caught up with lust and everything else, he would give her anything, up to half the kingdom. And she went to his mother and asked, what will he ask? The head of John the Baptist. And he hadn't the guts to say no. He took off John's head. That's what Herod did. Herod could not say no. He was caught up in the world. And you know, in in, in our day and generation, masses are caught up in amusements. We're caught up in all sorts of things to pamper the soul. You know, look at the viewing figures. We've got these reality shows on the television, football matches, the internet, everything that's going on, to keep your mind occupied. That's what we're that's what we're seeing today, and you you know every restraint is thrown aside, and we're sinking deeper and deeper into the mire, and that's what's happening to us as a nation. This is in, in our day. There is no time for God or God's word. It's totally out of date. That's what we say. I remember, I think it was in Tony Blair's, we don't do God. Well, we still don't do God in our own country. We've thrown aside every state. It's too old-fashioned. It's too outdated. That was for then. It's not for now. But I tell you, our nation was built on the foundation of God's word. And when when that foundation begin to crumble, what are the righteous going to do then? What are we going to do then when these foundations begin to crumble? We can see it already. We're lurching from one crisis into the next. We're going from one crisis to another crisis. And no sooner is one crisis over than another crisis comes on. First, we we, are at the coronavirus. Then we're into monkeypox. Goodness knows what is going to be next. What's happening to us as a nation? We've left God out of our thinking, and you know that 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 we're just, as the Book of Judges says, everybody is doing as they see fit in their own eyes. Everyone is doing see fit as their own eyes. That was fine for the past, you know. If. If gain has slain its thousands, then pleasure has slain tens of thousands. It's getting worse. There's no shame. There's no embarrassment. There's no fear of God. Why are we spending our money on those things? Why are we spending wasting our money on those things? Come to the waters and buy without money. You know, if, if the prophet had said that with, with, with money, that would have excluded many. There's many in that day who wouldn't have been able to come. But he says without money and without price, even, even, even if you had stacks of it, it couldn't be valued in monetary terms. Your salvation wasn't brought with corruptible things such as silver or gold but it was bought with the precious blood of Jesus. The prophet understood that in his own day. If you go home and you read Isaiah 53, 54, and 55, you'll see that the prophet had a great insight into what we're talking about this morning. Even, even in, in chapter 9, he talks about the Christ coming as well. The prophet understood these things. Do we, See, we're not just trying to find fulfillment and gain and pleasure, but we're trying to satisfy the spiritual need that the human fountain is that you. Your soul is made for God. Your soul is made for God, not the things of this world. As Augustine said, Lord, thou hast created us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until it finds rest in thee. Is that not the experience that the hymn writer of old had when he penned these words, I tried the broken cisterns, Lord, but ah, the waters failed, even as I stooped to drink, they fled, and mocked me as I wailed. Is that not what the prodigal experienced in the far country? When all his money ran out, he was skinned, he was practically homeless, he was making his home with the pigs, He had tried every broken sister. And every other prodigal since then, who has tried them, has found that. They all failed. They all failed. Will you not come to the fountain? That if any man drink, he will come and never thirst again. As he spoke to the woman at the well in John 4. Will you not come to the fountain? But the water I shall give him shall become a, a fount of water, springing unto everlasting life. We're encouraged to come to the living water. We're encouraged to come to the rock that was smitten. Remember when Moses smote the rock on the mountain. We're encouraged to come to Christ. How long will you refuse to come to Jesus? Jesus is crying out to you to come to him. Remember in another place Jesus himself said, come to me all ye who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for my yoke is easy and my burden is right and you shall find rest unto your souls. How many this morning will come to Jesus or are we still refusing to come to him? Come and buy that which is already paid for. Come and eat that which will satisfy the waters of the Holy Spirit, the wine of joy, and the milk of the living word of God. That's what will satisfy the languishing soul. Are you starving your souls this morning? You know, we we, we talk about, we talk in our day and say we need to feed ourselves. Are we feeding ourselves? I remember somebody's minister saying to me many years ago, it's easier when you come in the door at night to switch on the television or pick up the paper than turn to God's Word. So many are starving their souls today by looking to the things in this world. The world, it doesn't matter what it will give you. It always comes short. God's word proves that. Listen to Haggai, what he says in in chapter 1, verse 6. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves but none is warm. You earn wages to put in a bag with holes. No matter what you have, it doesn't seem to be increasing because there's holes in the bag. It comes in one way and out another. It's short-lived joy. It's short-lived. It counsels us like he counsels the church of Laodicea. Thy, he says, gold dried in the fire, clothe yourselves with white raiment and anoint your eyes with eyesalves so that you will see. The church in Laodicea thought that they were rich, but in reality they were pure, poor. Poor. They thought they were clothed, but they were naked. They thought that they could see, but Jesus looked in and he said they were blind. How is it with the high free church today? Are we thinking that we're rich, but we're in poverty? Do we think we're clothed, but we're naked? And we're really seen, but in reality, we're blind to all that's going on. We're blind. Where do we stand today? You know, what we need as a church and as a congregation, we need wisdom. We're encouraged to buy it. We're encouraged to get wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. That's the thing <clears throat> that Solomon asked for in his own day. God came to him and, and, and said, you know, what will I give you? And Solomon turns around to God and says, this is a great people that you've given me. Give me wisdom so that I covered, could, could govern them. And you know, not only did God give wisdom, He gave him riches. He gave him honor. Above and beyond anything that Solomon ever could want or or decide. You know, wisdom, it makes us wise. You cannot buy it with money. It's priceless. And the, the one who gives it has no need of money. He gives it free. He gives it free says in John 3:16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the offer that God makes to us. He gives us everlasting life. And if we were wise, we would take him at his word. And accept the offer. What are you doing with Jesus today? Because it was bought and paid for. In full by Jesus on the cross. As we see in Isaiah 53. Imagine it 740 years before it ever came to pass. The prophet was writing about it. In his own day. He could see it. But you know that the sad thing with all our technology and everything else in our day, we're not able, we're not seeing it. We're not accepting God's word. We're rejecting it in so many ways. You know, as 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 the the hymn writer said in another place, there was none other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gates of heaven and let us in. If I ask you this morning, where do you want to end up your life? I don't think there's many that would say in hell. I think most would say they wanted to be in heaven and to be with Jesus. It's a gift. We're encouraged to accept it. Not only are we encouraged, we're exhorted to accept it. Take it, and you shall live, he says. We sang in, 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 in the opening psalm there, Or oh, taste and see that God is good. Have you tasted, really tasted, of the goodness of God? Have you tasted of the goodness of God... You know, as as, uh, Jeremiah says in the Lamentations, his mercies are new every single morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And you know, it was our mercy when we opened our eyes this morning and we were able to, as a guy said to me, if you can chuck your legs over the end of that bed in the morning, you're doing okay. And it's a fact When you're lying flat on your back and you can't do much, the only place you can look is look up and ask Him for help and ask Him for mercy. I would rather be a hundred, I would rather be preaching in baths than over here this morning. But I am where I am, and I'm thankful what God has done for me. And how God has led me on and taken me to this place. I can't remember the last time I was asked to preach at any at any place. It's been years and I didn't like I said to the girls in there, I was totally shaky. My mouth was dry and I just didn't want it not want to do it. Then his mercies are I, I new every morning. And he's a wonderful God. And he, and he's a great saviour. And you know, when, when, you, when, when you imagine in your mind's eye, the Christ on the cross, no no wonder the, 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 the hymn writer could say, he says, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I, I count but loss, and poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my Lord, all the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood see from his head his hands his feet sorrow and love flow mingled down you know when you look at that and, and you think to yourself well nothing that we can give can ever make up for that no wonder he close with love so amazing so divine it demands my soul, my life, my all. The prophet Jeremiah 29:11, he says, Hearken diligently to me, eat that which is good, listen to me, accept what I offer, thoughts of peace, not of evil, saith the Lord, to give you a future and a hope. You know, as Ephesians says, There was a day in our lives when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But God in his mercy, he has awakened us and he has given us life and he has given us hope in the death of his son. And he tells us there in the chapter, he says, I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. In Second Samuel seven, we have that covenant: a descendant of David would reign on David's throne forever, not just Solomon, but ultimately Jesus. In Luke one thirty thirty, he will be great; he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign forever and ever, the house over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. There shall be no end. The new covenant he says I will write my law on I will write my law on their hearts. He'll put it into our hearts. We know in our own hearts when the Lord is speaking to us we are completely forgiven. We're completely transformed. If any man is in Christ, he says, he is a new creature, a new creation. And the day will come when he will raise up a faithful king of the line of David and bring in righteousness. And the day is going to come when Jesus is going to come back again Jesus says in John fourteen ten, he says, I go, he says, I am going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And that's the reality of it. That's what Jesus is saying. We think, well, it was, that's what they were saying last week, but it's a bit closer. And every day, every minute, every second of your lives is <clears throat> closer to when Jesus is going to come again. And when Jesus comes everything will be put right. Every single thing will be put right. And he he says there in, in, in Revelations 21 I will create a new heaven and a new earth. And he talks about the tabernacle of God being with men. And in that time, there'll be no more sadness, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears, no more death. All the things that sin has affected this world with, all these things are going to be done away. And at the end of time, and in the very last chapter of this, it's another invitation. And the bride... Say, come. And the, the spirit and the bride say, him. let him who, is, who, who hears say, come. Let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the waters of life freely. You are invited... You know, to, to the banqueting house and Jesus' is banner over it is love. He has done it for you in his love and in his mercy. He took all the punishment, all the pain that was due to each and every one of us upon himself and he died in our place. That's the gospel. Jesus has done. Jesus has gotten what we deserve. What will you do with Jesus? Will you be saying in, in your minds, oh, well, that's, that, that's really good. Jesus is really good. But you'll be a wee bit like Felix. I'll put it off to another, a more convenient time, Friends, that convenient time it might never come for us might never come we don't know what's going to happen when we walk out that door we don't know what's going to happen when we close our eyes and sleep whether we'll see another day on mercy's ground Jesus is calling out to us Will you not come? Jesus is inviting us to come. Says, everything is prepared. I have done everything. There's there's nothing that need more needs to be done. Just eat and drink, take it, he says, and your souls will live. What will you do with Jesus? Will you take him at his word? Or will you reject him and refuse him? May God enable each and every one of us to accept Jesus so that we will be saved, not just for time, but for eternity as well. May he bless his word to our souls.